Welcome to Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I'm your host and community marketing manager, Elisa, and today I am over the moon to have on guest Dr. Dana Cohen. For over two decades, Dr. Cohen has been on the leading edge of integrative and functional medicine, guiding thousands of patients through protocols that initiate cellular repair and restore balance to the body. Her unyielding devotion to her patients has helped countless people finally improve, recover, or completely heal from a variety of severe and chronic health issues. In this episode, we sit down with Dr. Cohen to discuss Quench, the amazing book that she's co-authored on hydration. This is a book I personally read, loved, and have since referenced to make changes in my own life around hydration, and honestly, it has me feeling better than ever. These are changes that I hope you can make too. As always, this podcast is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including getting medical advice. The use of information on this podcast is at the user's own risk and is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Without further ado, let's get cracking. I'm actually very excited to have you here because I inhaled your book. It was incredible. I think that I struggle with my water intake personally. I don't think I'm very good at it. I'm not the best at staying hydrated, even though we track it in chronometer and I've used that for five years. I'm always quite low. And then so when I started reading your book, I actually actioned things immediately now in the morning, I wake up and I have water with with lemon juice and salt. Uh, so I'm actually putting some things into practice. And I think that that's when, when something is well written and it has the science, obviously, to back it, it, it makes it very convincing. Uh-huh. And uh, the, I like the added case studies as well. That was well done. So. Oh, I love it. That makes you just made my day. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, really, really well done. And I think it's so funny because I've read a lot of books about nutrition and, and health. Like part of my job here, I've worked at Chronometer for five and a half years. I'm a community manager. So I've read a lot of literature and I'm like, how is someone going to pull off reading a whole book about hydration in a way that just stays fascinating the whole way through and it did it was so good so thank you I'm so proud of it thank you so much for saying that I do have to say there were times where you know water the simplest molecule in the world um, turns out to be way more complicated than even I thought and and there were times I was like whoa what did I get myself into in writing this book and then I think the hardest part was actually trying to simplify it into you know hydration and uh you know so so anybody listening it's actually it is it is simplified but it was um like I, I could have gone on forever than talking about like the science of water and the molecule of water and I'm not a water researcher and 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 there's so much sort of controversy and who believes in what and but the truth is there's no controversy in in hydration you know and it is actually a simple thing to do um so and I also stopped apologizing a long time ago about what audience I'm talking to so I used to used to be like oh you know I don't want anybody rolling their eyes I'm going to be talking about hydration because I talk to other doctors or other integrative you know most people people are, are already into health, but I realized that we all need to hear this and we need to hear it often, you know, because 
to me, the single most important thing you can do to treat and prevent chronic disease is always start with hydration. Well, and I think like for, for me, I track my nutrition for five years. I exercise all the time. I honestly feel, and you said a lot of your clients that you deal with personally felt this way too. Like when you ask them if they're getting enough water, like probably not for whatever reason, I don't know why this is the one area that I've really struggled with. I just don't know. And honestly, adding that little bit of lemon to my water, because I, I think, and this might sound strange. I don't really like the taste of water. Like I know it doesn't have a taste, but it's just so many people. Yeah. It's so not, it's so not unusual. So many people do not like to drink water. Um, so, you know, just for listeners out there, I mean, the, the, the biggest sort of gist of the book is how to eat your water, you know, and it's not necessarily about drinking more and more water, you know, so in the form of food, of smoothies, of vegetables, of plants, all those kind of things. Um, and then, yeah, for those who don't like to drink water, there's tips on how to get around that and, and water infusions, you know, it's that simple, but yeah, I, and I will say it's the one thing like, so yeah, you've tracked your nutrition, you've tracked your exercise and it's the one thing that I'm a bit of a stickler on as far as keeping people on track with their health is that, you know, like I always subscribe to the 80, 20 rule, give me 80% of what I ask you to do for nutrition. And I'm happy with hydration. I need, I need more. I need you to be on. And and it's a day in day out thing that, but the truth is after you sort of learn that, you know, what you need to look out for and how you, you know, what you're trying to do, then, then it's simple. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it becomes a habit. It's not hard. There's nothing hard about it, except when you don't, learn how to hydrate properly to begin with. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So I'm going to backtrack because I, in my own excitement, I've gotten very, (laughs) your book honestly changed, changed me, which is pretty powerful. So you co-wrote this book with Gina Bria. Tell me about why you guys started writing this and a little bit about the process about learning more about hydration to actually write a book strictly on hydration. Okay. So um, it's actually a very cute story. I have been practicing integrative medicine, nutrition-based lifestyle medicine for uh, over 20-something years. And honestly, I've always known I have to write a book. If I want a platform in this in this field, I need to write a book. I worked for Dr. Atkins to begin with. And you know when I worked for him, his book was twice a New York Times bestseller, and he had a great platform. It's like, what am I going to write my book on? So for years, I've been trying to find my book. I don't know what it's going to be. I didn't want to write another book on um, hormones or thyroid, you know, I figured where you have to go see a doctor and get blood tests, like, you know, what could I do to affect the most people? So I get a call from Dina and um, she was referred by a friend and she runs this thing called the Hydration Foundation. And she asked if she can come in and talk to me about what she's doing. And I said, sure, because she knew a friend of mine. And I'm thinking, oh God, she's going to sell me some kind of Ponzi scheme, water purifier system. And so she came in and sat down with me and brought me a smoothie (laughs) and she proceeded to tell me about the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack and her work with the Hydration Foundation. She's actually an anthropologist who had studied how desert people hydrate. And she just, she sat there and blew my mind, like completely blew my, really the, the, the Dr. Pollack stuff was so, and this was now going on 
probably more like eight or nine years ago before like anybody really knew about Dr. Gerald Pollack's work. He's the guy who's in, who's discovered a fourth phase of water, which um, to me is still mind blowing. We've, we all know that water exists as liquid ice and vapor. That's what we've been taught. He's now telling us there's another phase of water. So she's telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, blowing my mind. And, you know, as an integrative doctor, I've always known hydration is important. I just never really thought about, you know, the science, the eating your water. Like I was like, you know, I'm, I was of the ilk, eight glasses a day, you got to drink, drink, drink more water, you know? And so as she's talking to me, I just, I looked at her, I said, Gina, I've been searching for my book. Do you want to write the book on this? Like, you know, and she's, and never expected to go there. And she's like, yeah. And so that's how it started. So, and then the rest is like, once again, what did I get myself into? This is way more complicated than I thought. I'm not a water researcher. How do we simplify this? Um, and and I think we pulled it off though. <laughs> so I think you pulled it off beautifully. One of the things that I found to be super interesting, and I've been like telling everyone, well, even at work and in my life, just a couple like little hacks that you guys have, have taught me. I'm like, I read this book and this is super interesting and you should try this. One of those things that I thought was so interesting is that plant water is actually the best source of water. Can you tell me why that is and how would I put that into practice for my diet? So when you say plant water, let's just take a step back. So so most plants or vegetables are made mostly of water, you know, including dry plants like cauliflower has a huge amount of, of water in in those plants. So water that comes from plants, you know, so it's believed, and this is theoretical, that are we going to go back to Dr. Gerald Pollack's work, right? So let's let's take one more step back again. Fourth phase of water. So this is what Dr. Pollock has discovered that um, that there is this other phase of water, and it's basically we know it as structured water. He calls it easy water, but the idea is how those water molecules layer upon each other, and in that layering they start to share electrons. Right then it becomes a different idea that water now is a source of energy. It's a source of fuel, and it's believed that that's how water exists in nature in this structured format and that's how water exists within our within our cells so in a simplified term if we eat more water from vegetables and plants then that water is better utilized by our cells so also the fiber from those plants holds on to that water better like and tell you from a clinical standpoint and maybe even your own experience people who drink a lot of water they'll often say to me i can't satiate i can't quench my thirst i drink so much water and all i do is pee it out so if you add some you know eat better eat more like do a green smoothie a day they hydrate better. They hold on to it better. Their fiber holds on to it better, much like a sponge holds on to water. So that's really the basic, simple gist of plants in nature. There was something else I was just going to say too. The idea of people who also don't drink a lot of water yet are well hydrated that's because they're eating so well. You know, those people who eat very well, eat a lot of plants, very plant-centric diet, lots of salads, may find that they only need a few glasses of water a day, that they don't need to drink eight glasses of water a day. So what we try to teach people in the book is, what's your set point? You know, how do you know when you are well hydrated? And actually, 
I'm going to go a little bit ahead of myself. It's changed since we wrote the book, those symptoms. And basically, there's one thing that I tell people now to look out for, to know that you're well hydrated. And I think the most important thing is your urine output, right? So we are meant to urinate every two or three hours while we're awake. And if you're not doing that, you're not hydrating enough. It does. Yep. One of the things that I read that was a takeaway was it was better to have like one glass of water and something like an apple or a cup of blueberries than have two glasses of water. Is that still true? Not better. Maybe, maybe better because you're getting the fiber from the apple. You're getting the minerals from the the fruits and and all those electrolytes. So it's either as hydrating or better hydrating. So once again, and people who um, can just try this on, you know, so those of you who drink a ton of water and can't quench your thirst, Try doing that. Try adding more fiber and vegetables and and fruit in your water or during your day, and you'll find that you're you're much better hydrated from a physical standpoint. How does somebody know that they're adequately hydrated? So the best way is if you're urinating every two or three hours throughout the day. So I know there are days I'll sit at my desk eight hours straight and not get up once to pee. And I'm like, that's a problem. Like I have not done this well. (laughs) Um, So that is probably the best way to do that. But if you know, I'll tell patients to hashtag, like do a tally system, you know, so how many times did you go to the bathroom today when you're sitting at your desk all day, do a little hashtag thing and see. So I was, I was in the office for 10 hours today. How many times did I pee? It should be five times, you know, four or five times, you know, the typical things we need to look out for this low grade dehydration. So fatigue, brain fog, constipation, dry skin, joint pains, cognition stuff. Those are like the big things that if you're suffering from any of those things, try hydrating first and seeing if they improve. I love telling people this too. Often that afternoon dip in energy, we often think that it's a drop in blood sugar, like, oh, we're hungry or hunger, hunger in itself. More than likely you're thirsty and not hungry. And more than likely your blood sugar is not, not dropping, you're, you're thirsty. So try hydrating better first to, you know, to improve those things or, and seeing if your, you know, if your hunger goes away, that's an interesting sign or, or symptom more often related to thirst that, or, or dehydration, low-grade dehydration than hunger. Looking at the color of your urine, we talked a lot about in the book, it turns out that it's an okay sign. It's not a perfect sign. You know, I think that there are people who just have concentrated urine, even if they're drinking well. Most people, it, it's it's an okay sign to look. You want your urine to be a nice light straw color. The output is more important than the color of your urine. And, and there are certain things you eat too many beets or you eat, take a B vitamin, then all bets are off with the color of your urine. Yeah. I noticed that when I take my multivitamin in the morning, I'm like, that is me. That is neon yellow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, but that's um, to be expected and people should note that people are surprised sometimes. I think that uh, it depends when you take your, your multivitamin or what, what you're consuming as well. Yeah. One of the things you guys talked about throughout the book was chia and adding it to our diets. Can you tell our listeners 
why Chia specifically? Yeah, Chia is, it was kind of the star of the show (laughs) in the book. So first of all, it's a great source of fiber. It has some protein in it. It has a ton of parent omega-3 fatty acids in it. And, you know, for those reasons, and and plus it holds, oh, I'm going to forget the number now. It's been a while since I said it, a huge amount of its weight in water. So anybody's made a chia pudding, it literally plumps up with gel. And, and so it, it's just an incredibly hydrating seed um, and really good for us in a lot of ways. A couple of caveats. Well, actually, before I do that, we talked about, we took, there's a great book for those runners in your group, whoever's listening, who's a runner. And most of them have probably read it already, but Born to Run, that book is a great book. And it talks about these desert tribe called the Tara Humara tribe in, uh, I forget what desert, somewhere outside of Mexico. And they fuel their, and they're elite runners and they do it for fun, 50 mile marathons for fun. Mm-hmm. And they they fuel themselves on chia seeds because of, for all of those reasons. Uh, so chia seeds are just a great thing. The caveat is I once had a patient who said, oh, I read your book and I started adding like, half a cup of chia seeds a day. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like really can like be an issue with gas and bloating and that kind of thing. So you need to be, you need to go a little slow. Like I would not dive right in and start doing a ton of chia seeds because it can affect your gut a little bit. Just so go slow, Uh, but it's a great nutrient. And some people may need to soak them overnight. So chia puddings are great, incredibly hydrating, incredible healthy snack, dessert, you know, and uh, that could be a good way. And there's thousands of recipes online um, on the internet for chia puddings. Yeah, I'm actually a runner, a distance runner, not 50 miles. <laughs> but when but when I read that section about that tribe and the fact that they were running basically and hydrating off, like they, they had like little bags of chia, if I remember correctly. And I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to try next time because that definitely is an issue pretty warm where I'm running as well now. So our climate has changed a little bit and and you definitely sweat a lot more. So I'm like, next time I run a good distance, I'm going to try to put that into practice. One of the things that goes hand in hand with the Chia is smoothies. And you guys did uh, have recommendations to start your day off with a smoothie. There were a couple things that I found interesting about smoothies uh, over juicing. Can you tell me why you guys would prefer people to have a smoothie over juice? Yeah. So, I mean, it's very simple. With with a smoothie, it's basically blended greens with water and then whatever else you want to put there. So so the greens, you're holding onto the fiber. You know, that's what we talked about a little bit earlier. That fiber helps structure water. It helps hold on to that water better. As opposed to juicing, you're not getting any of the fiber. I think there's a place for juicing. It's hydrating. You're getting electrolytes. But um, I think, you know, in a hydration standpoint, smoothies are just so much better because of the fiber. You're hold- that's, that's really the whole gist of it. You're just holding on to that fiber. You're getting more fiber. You're getting the whole thing. What about taking a fiber supplement then with water? Would that have the same effect or is it the nutrients in the smoothie as well that make a difference? I think it all depends. You'd have to look at somebody's diet. You know, I do think that none of us get enough fiber in our diets. We, that's a known thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So. But if you're doing, you know, a smoothie a day with a nice, with a a lot of greens, you're eating lots of salads, then you might not need a fiber supplement. If you need it, you need it. It's fine. I I always prefer to get what we need from food, you know, rather than a supplement. So 
it's up to you, but I, I do like, I do sometimes prescribe fiber supplements. I think it's, it's good for people. And I don't think that we get enough. Most of us don't get enough in our diets. No, I, to- I totally agree. That is something that I will also oftentimes come up short on unless I'm having salads or that kind of thing. And that's one of the things I've loved tracking about my nutrition. Just the more, you know, right. The more you can, can play around and dial your health in. I've always been told that I should have eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day, which I think is fairly standard for everyone. I think probably when that started, people just needed some kind of guideline to adhere to. But through your book, I learned that that necessarily isn't the case. And there's a ton of different things, obviously, that would affect our hydration, how active you are, what you do for a living, that kind of thing. How does someone really decide on like how much water they should have specifically? Is that going back to making sure you're not dehydrated or are there standard guidelines for people who are more active? What do we know about the amount we should be consuming? So that eight glasses of water a day comes from really nowhere, probably just a few people. They think it dates back to the 1940s and it even dates back to, or however that much was, it included food somehow. Um, so, you know, how can you tell a six foot two athlete and a five foot sedentary person that they need to both drink eight ounces, eight glasses of water a day. It doesn't make sense. If somebody absolutely needed a number (laughs) for, you know, because they're not living in their body and they just, they need a number, then I would say half your weight in ounces is a better number. However, if you are like an endurance athlete or a big sweater, or you're on like a special diet, like a ketogenic diet, which is very dehydrating, you know, then you would need more than half your weight in ounces in some instances. So it's really hard to quantify. And I wish there was a simple test. I think the simplest test is how many times a day are you peeing? Are you peeing every two or three hours? Keep going back to that. I think it's super important. Yeah, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it does it vary then season to season? Do we need typically more water in the summer, less in the winter? Or is this something that we should be having every day regardless of temperature and what we're exposed to? Yeah, I think, you know, I live in New York. I have a radiator heat back there. So my apartment has radiator heats um, and it is incredibly dry in my apartments in the winter. So for me, winter is more dehydrating than summer. And that's, people don't think about that because everyone's like, summer, we're outside, we're sweating. Uh, uh, Not true for me. Uh, Winter is way more dehydrating. So I think it's just keep going back to living in our bodies, knowing when we're fully hydrated. If you're not doing, you know, every day, keeping it at the top of your mind and saying, I need to do better or not, you know, or I'm doing okay today. Looking at those symptoms. Are you, you know, so just again, the symptoms, are you fatigued? Are you brain fog? Are you moving with fluidity? No pun intended. You know, is your movement good? Brain fog, all of the constipation, you know, all of those things, are are they all working well? And am I getting up to pee every two or three hours <laughs> during my waking hours? Because at night we make a hormone that stops us so we don't wake up in the middle of the night to pee all the time. And that hormone, it decreases as we age. So elderly people may need to cut off their drinking a little bit earlier to because sleep is as important as well. It's up there with food, water, and shelter. <laughs> sleep is. 
I did note that as well, that our cues for when we need more hydration tend to become a little bit quieter as, as we age. One of the recommendations, if I'm not mistaken, was to have something like fruit or vegetables instead of a glass of water before bed for people that might be um, needing to go to the washroom more in the evening. Would that is that is that true? Yeah, yeah. Or an herbal, a cup of herbal tea, you know, could be or, or an infused water might be a little bit better because it has some hydration in it. You know, I mean, some uh, fiber in it. Electrolytes is the word I want to say, like an herbal tea, uh, something like that, maybe a little bit better as opposed to drinking water. You have to play around with it, though, and find that balance. Everybody's is different, right? Like if I wake up in the middle of the night to pee, I'm done. Like I, I have a really hard time falling back to sleep. So so for me, that's the problem would be the, the waking up. Some people, if you wake up to pee once and you go right back to bed, then then that's okay. You know, and you're mm-hmm. feeling rested, you wake up well rested in the morning, then that's okay. Yeah. So it's playing around with it. What happens if we are chronically underhydrated? I'm genuinely curious about this because I feel like I've probably been that way for the last decade, honestly, or more. What are the long-term health ramifications to not being adequately hydrated? So, you know, other than the ones that we already know about, like constipation, um, dry skin, aging skin, all of those things, uh, it's even more serious. And since the book came out, only last year did a did a huge study come out that talks about chronic low grade dehydration puts you at risk for dying early. Um, so it decreases longevity, it increases chronic disease, any chronic disease. So I'm talking diabetes, I'm talking Alzheimer's, you know, those cancer, uh, certain cancers it puts you at risk for, colon cancer and and urinary tract cancer, like bladder cancer, kidney cancers, those kind of things that we know for sure. Yeah, some pretty big serious things. So, I mean, I think to me the Alzheimer's thing and the and and the diabetes things, which kind of go hand in hand, because we now know that Alzheimer's is considered type three diabetes. So it's an interesting idea, but but now is being proven. And the other thing I wanted to say about that, oh, they've also done some studies that to show that hydrating properly is actually a treatment for metabolic syndrome. So metabolic syndrome is is a triple play of blood sugar problems, hypertension, obesity. And it was a, it was an, an animal study, but but just by giving those animals hydration, water, it was a treatment for those things, which is fascinating to me, you know. It feels like this should be the easiest thing and it's surprising to me, myself included, that this hasn't been something that is on the forefront of my own health plan or other people's. You know, when I was when I was reading the book, I was like, this might be the easiest thing I could do. You know, I'm out running long distances. I'm constantly like meal prepping and entering food into a food journal. And I am like, why is water consumption so hard? But I but I think that it is for a lot of people. So if someone is struggling with just not meeting their hydration requirements, what do you tell them to get them to start drinking more water or having more plants that have more water? 
So I set rules then. I mean, if, if you have to set rules, so these are things that anybody can implement right now. So start your day off with a big glass of water, front load your water. We call it in the book with, um, you can add a little lemon, you could add a little chia seeds, you could add a little electrolyte mix, a little pit or just a little salt, which has all those, you know, real salt, like full spectrum salt, not table salt in that first glass of water. So that's a great way to start your day. So no brainer, keep it at your bedside and just suck it down before you even hit the floor. That's one. Another rule I'll tell people is drink a glass of water before every meal. Um, so that there's, it's just a rule. It just makes it easier. You know, a third thing is have a green smoothie a day. Like I can't tell you how many lives I've changed by just, and it's on so many levels, right? It's not just the hydration parks. I really believe that a green smoothie, which is a blended green with water and then anything else you want to put in there is probably three times as hydrating as the same amount of water, right? That's my theory, by the way. Um, but I know it to be true. I know it from my own thing, but you give somebody who's, you know, not somebody who's not as nutrition uh, savvy as yourself, you give them, you start them off with a green smoothie a day, their life changes. Like, mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm thinking better. And it, and it's, so you're getting packed nutrition, you're getting vegetables, and then they can become really sort of play around with it. They could add other things like seeds and protein and, and herbs and spices and get those those plants in the diversity of plants in their smoothies a day, you know, so there's, there's also that aspect of getting more plants and the diversity of plants into your diet for people who don't necessarily eat that way. So that could, you know, have start with one green smoothie a day. The other thing I'll tell people is I say, have a salad before lunch and dinner, and it could be you know, a plate of iceberg lettuce, if you, if you, if you can't, so you don't even have to think about it, iceberg lettuce and with a little olive oil and and vinegar on it or whatever, you know, and you can make, or a real salad, but it just start your lunch and dinner with a side salad. Um, Don't start with bread, you know, start with the side salad. And then if you're going to have bread, so by the way, I'm, I'm really, I'm my new, my newest sort of thing. And that I'm talking about is that diets don't work. Deprivation Mm -hmm. doesn't work on anybody. But, you know, if you're going to start with the bread, you're going to fill up with on bread and then not. And I can't tell you how many times I do that. Like if I have pizza for dinner, I'll make salad and a pizza. And if I start with the pizza, I'll never eat the salad because I'm full by the time, you know, so start with your salad. <laughs> what else was I going to say? So and then the last thing that I think is as important, we haven't even touched upon it, is we have to move because mm-hmm. move literally moves the fluid around your body because there's a whole chapter on movement and fascia and how fascia works. And it's a delivery system of hydration. Um, and it's what gets, acts like a hydraulic pump. So fascia is the connective tissue that surrounds every cell and every organ in our body. And it's been discovered that it's a, that it acts as a hydraulic pump and, and that it moves fluid around our body, which is an interesting idea because we only ever thought that fluid gets moved via our blood and lymph, right? Our capillary system and our lymph system. And now we know that that's not true, that the fascia system moves fluid all over the body. So we have to move and movement is different than exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not exercise aficionados and exercise is different for everybody, right? And exercise is constantly changing. What's the, what's the recommended exercise of the day? I don't know, but movement is literally moving. So we need to move every joint move our bodies, twist our bodies, turn our necks, you know, every joints in our body, make sure we're moving regularly. And that's, that's part of hydration. Yeah. 
part of the the program, you guys talked about micro movements specifically, and I actually physically read the book and then also listened to it. Um, and I was driving at the time, and w- when the section about micro movements and twisting, you know, like your spine and that kind of thing came on and there was a really good visual about like kind of like making like wringing out water in there and as I was driving I'm like you know what I have a couple hours on this drive and so I just started like moving my head side to side like it's recommended and then like moving my uh, my abdominal a little bit and and I I did honestly feel better and then I was like I do sit at a desk most of the day you know Monday to Friday and then typically head out in the evenings to walk my dog or go for a run. And and I'm like, but I am sitting still for almost the entire day. It literally took me three minutes to get every single muscle group moving at my desk, um, like you guys recommended. And so I thought that that was super interesting. I would have never really envisioned hydration and those micro movements going hand in hand, but I honestly just feel better. It was just such a good reminder. And and I don't know if part of that is just because I'm stretching or if because the water is moving through my, my body more efficiently. But I was actually very impressed by how much better I felt when I incorporated that. And your program is so actionable. You know, like the five-day recommendation. When I started, I've been doing it for more than five days now. But um, it's been it's been a couple of weeks. And I was like, this is so easy. Five days. It's like, what, what can actually happen in five days? You know what I mean? And then, and then learning just how quickly you feel better. Like I didn't, I didn't feel the, the fogginess at at 3 PM anymore. And I definitely noticed changes in my, in my energy and that kind of thing and sleep, definitely sleeping a lot better. So that's the beauty of it too, because the truth is it takes one day to notice a difference. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, we just wrote it for five days because we figured, oh, that's a work week. That's easy enough. Literally one day it, you'll notice a difference. This is not like a, a three month plan where it's going to take you three months and you're going to notice, you know, you don't notice anything until the end, of, you know, it takes months to figure out something. It's quick. You'll notice a difference immediately if you start hydrating properly. Yeah. It's that, and it, did- and it is simple. You guys had a bunch of different case studies throughout the book that would basically like highlight whatever the topic was. And I really liked that. I I like hearing about other people's stories. And it honestly seemed that it just being hydrated covered so many things. There was a couple times like joint pain was mentioned, or there was like skin issues that people were having or migraines. And it really seemed like it covers so many different ailments that people have just been living with, you know, like I think there was one case study that mentioned that a woman had just been living with pain for so long that it was just like part of her body. And, and then you put her on the quench plan and then she was like, Oh my, like I didn't even notice that I wasn't sore anymore. It's, it's just so mind boggling to me. One of the chapters was about skin health and hydration how does water change our skin? First of all, I think my biggest um, 
professional base of people that have contacted me are estheticians because they know better than anybody that hydration has to start from within. Um, you can put all the creams, all the whatever you want on somebody's skin, and it just doesn't hold. You know, they know it better than anybody. And so um, I've had more estheticians reach out to me and say, this is fantastic. I'm going to give this to all my clients, you know. So I think that that is uh, an interesting idea because they know that's what they work in and they know it better than anybody. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's hydrating from within. It's plumping the skin. Skin needs hydration. We lose hydration as we age. Always start there. By the way, just going back to what you just said a little bit earlier, just as far as a nutrition standpoint, always start with hydration first. Before you start any nutrition, any new diet, any new whatever, start with hydration. And you might find that that you're doing okay otherwise, as long as you know you're eating healthily and plant-centric, lots of plants. I don't, I, I'm not a vegan. Um, I eat meat, but I do eat a lot of plants, you know, a lot of vegetables, a lot of some fruit and some lots of nuts and seeds and that kind of thing. So something you said earlier, I just wanted to remember to say that because I think that that is always the place to start, start with hydration and then go from there, whatever, even supplements, you know, before you go on any kind of supplement regimen, start there. I'm of the same mind as well. I would rather get my nutrients from food and then I'll top up supplements as a, as I need to, but I prefer definitely like a more holistic diet. I uh, also completely resonated when you said that diets typically don't work. When I say diet, I'm just referring to the way that I eat as opposed to following something. I agree that putting confines on, on what we eat is a, is a good way to uh, quickly want, want exactly whatever we said we can't have. One of the things that I thought was interesting too is because a lot of people use our app to want to lose weight. I think there's a lot of people that want to lose weight and drinking water beforehand actually shows that 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 is a method that can facilitate that. Can you touch on that a little bit as well, please? Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually a couple of studies that show drinking a glass of water before every meal, you'll lose more weight if you're dieting, if you're trying to lose weight and significant, you know, uh, more weight than if you're just dieting alone. I also think the hung, you know, going back to that hunger thing, more often we confuse hunger with thirst. Is that correct? Or th we confuse thirst with, we confuse thirst with hunger, right? That's the, the proper way to say it. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll often think we're hungry when we're really thirsty. And so you, you stave off that thirst by hydrating properly throughout the day, you'll find that you're less hungry. And then, you know, the other thing I said, eat your salads first, you know, you'll fill up on those things. Going back to sort of common sense thing, eat more plants, I just want to say movement, all of the things that we know. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I don't put patients um, sometimes on a nutrition plan, depending on what I'm treating, if they have gut issues or or they have food sensitivities or they have diabetes or something. You know, there are things that that as a doctor, I will put people on. But, you know, a part of me thinks that most people going back to that whole Mediterranean thing, lots mm -hmm. of fish lots of vegetables, lots of olive oil, getting rid of ultra processed foods in our diet, you know, is key. So did that answer the question? Yeah, I think that part of the reason why I think 
that people don't adhere to a diet is just what is readily available to us. You know, like there's so significantly more expensive to the other day I was grocery shopping and um, I wanted some blueberries and I'm in British Columbia, Canada. And for a two cup quart, it was like $7.99. And then I'm like looking at chocolate bars and like $1.69. And I'm like, this is challenging to to spend money on fruit which is obviously significantly better for you than chocolate but it's just the, the prices so so for people that are struggling with those kinds of things or that would say that eating more fresh fruit and vegetables is expensive yes it is but you can mitigate that as well i think by having frozen options and and that kind of thing so definitely I try to stay mindful of, of those things, but it does make it hard. Like, and most readily available convenient foods are not, you go to a grocery or a gas station rather, sorry. And they don't have like bananas there. It's unfortunate. Know? It's been yeah. designed that way by companies that process foods. You mm-hmm. know, they purposely made it cheap for for them to do that. And I don't have the answers to that, except to say, you know, you got to get smart about it. Like there are all kinds of, I use something called Misfits Market. I don't know if you have that there. Misfits Market is, um, it started as an ugly vegetable fruit company. So vegetables that weren't, organic vegetables that weren't, pretty enough to sell in the stores, they would send you boxes that were discounted. And so it was great because then I'd get fruit, you know, vegetables and fruits that I'd have to use. Um, and they, and they were cheaper, you know, so there are some things that we can do. I know in New York, they're starting to subsidize the green markets with, you know, people who are on, um, like food stamps and that kind of thing that they can use them at green markets. I think it's about educating too. Like you said, the frozen, frozen berries. I know there's a, a really, um, popular frozen berry company. I think it's Wyman's or Wayman's that's not expensive, that um, is organic and they make like the best blueberries and they're the little ones that you can get from Maine. They're really good and they're frozen. You can get them everywhere. I mean, it's, you know, we could get into then the shipping of those frozen vegetables and that kind of thing, but we got to take care of ourselves too, you know, mm-hmm. and there are ways around it. And the truth is the the higher price in the long run is your health. Right. And I think eating those ultra processed foods is it's what they're designed for to be cheap and to be not they're not healthy. And uh, they won the war. They are and they're they're continuing to win the the war. But we are fighting back. So hopefully, you know, well, it's going to get better and better as far Mm -hmm. as affordability. Yeah. Self-care is not selfish. I don't think that uh, I don't, I don't have a hard time spending a little extra knowing that I'm just doing so much better for, for my health. So the other thing I have to say is a home garden. Like I know this might be a big ask for a lot of people, but grow one, start with one thing, grow a window box of, you know, basil or something easy that you can, basil, basil actually has a very strong taste. I don't know if I'd put that in a blender, (laughs) but you could grow, um, you know, just grow one vegetable, start there. There's nothing, you know, I have a, a very extraordinarily wealthy friend whose garden is the most spectacular garden I've ever seen in my life. And he's got more money than I've ever known anybody to have. And like a, hid. He goes out every morning and grabs his vegetables that he grew and there, and nothing makes him happier. There's no mo- amount of money in the world that makes him happier than picking his own vegetables from his garden. And everybody can do that. And it can start with one thing that you grow. That is great advice. And most people yeah. do have access to a window 
you know, that they could, they could grow. And then it's also, yeah, wonderful, affordable, fresh. It's awesome. Yeah. There yeah. were a couple of things that surprised me in the book that I would love to quickly discuss. How does a modern lifestyle affect hydration? I thought it was really interesting that there's a correlation between screen time and dehydration. Can you touch on that? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so first of all, anything that's going to produce heat in your environment is going to be dehydrating, right? You know, you keep your hot phone by your ear, that's sucking hydrate. That's like sort of a, a real physiological thing that we know. The 5G stuff and all that stuff that's coming at us, like while it's not proven or like there's there's been no real information that shows that that's dehydrating, I absolutely know it with every ounce of my being, it has to be, right? So all these things that our bodies have to work against to detoxify or to, to make our bodies work in a way that they're not meant to be are going to be dehydrating. Think about, you know, medications, process, just go back to that processed foods, processed foods. Our body has to process those process, ultra processed foods, right? So it has to work harder. It needs hydration to do that. Toxins um, in our environment, things that we put on our skin, the toxins in our skin, there are all these things we're living in, in, uh, and then heat and air conditioning. You know, I talked about the heat in my apartment, but air conditioning, in the summer is sucking the hydration out of the air. That's why airplanes are so dehydrating. You know, everybody knows that to be true. There's no humidity. It's like 2% humidity in an, in an airplane. Every, everybody knows you leave an airplane, you're parched, <laughs> you know? So our modern day environments are desert-like environments because of all of these things. And then living a sedentary lifestyle on top of all of that is super uh, dehydrating. Yeah, I thought that that was interesting as well and definitely made me more mindful. Honestly, your book was so, so good for my health because there were just okay. little things that I was that I was doing that, you know, like the little movements throughout the day and my amount of screen time. And I really became aware of those things through reading your book. And then I'm like, these are habits that are really not great for my health that I should probably change. And, and I definitely did. One of the things I found very interesting because I've had a few concussions in my time, I do like some uh, extreme sports, was that there's some new science and there might even be more since you wrote the book about concussions and hydration. How does hydration help concussions or TBIs, uh, traumatic brain injuries? Before we say how it helps it, because I think how it helps it is kind of obvious, like it's cushioning to your brain, it's detoxifying. So the, the, the detoxify, like in order for our bodies to detoxify, we need hydration, right? Because the only way we get rid of toxins is peeing, pooping, sweating, breathing right? Those are the four ways that we get rid of toxins. Those are the only ways. And so all of those require hydration. So, and there's some interesting information about toxins and why some people are more susceptible to TBIs than others. And it's, it, there's a, there's a thought that it may have to do with toxin, toxic over toxin overload, that kind of thing. Um, so hydration will help with that. But then the sheer cushioning effect of having a spongier brain, a more hydrated brain, you know, not dried up, desiccated brain as we get older. So, so for that alone too. And I think the even more interesting thing, and this is, this goes out to any sort of health professionals, maybe listening to this is when we go into an emergency room to be evaluated for a TBI, right? Nobody takes into account, are they hydrated enough before you do your exam on them? And the diagnosis of a concussion is purely a clinical diagnosis, 
right? So it's it's mostly a clinical diagnosis. So you you ask some mental status questions, that kind of thing. And everything that you're doing, the same exact thing can happen from dehydration. So here's somebody who just came in from some sport that was probably dehydrated to begin with. And nobody's thinking about, you know what, I'm going to hydrate them really well first, and then ask those questions, you know, um, or see. So it's on many levels. I think the TBI stuff, I think is really interesting. And yeah, the jury's still out. There's still a lot of information to be done there, but hydration absolutely plays a role and nowhere on the, um, you know, the CDC website or anything, does it talk about hydration being properly hydrated as a preventative measure um, for concussions, which is crazy to me. I mean, maybe because they think it's so logical, but it's obviously not. Nobody thinks about it. No. And I think that we're putting more time and effort into research about nutrition and hydration and our bodies. I feel like there's all this new science that's emerging that's so helpful and powerful and I'm like, how do we know so much about outer space, for example, and so little about what is going on in our own bodies? And I've obviously in the last couple of years in particular, really been paying attention to new science that's emerging. And and as someone, like I said, who's had a few concussions, I was like, I wish that I had known that this is that I should have been hydrating even more after the fact, you know, like the last thing I thought about when I had a head injury was I should be drinking more water. You know, people are like, well, at first people like do not sleep at all. And now people are like, actually get sleep. And 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 now I know if if that happens to me again, um, hopefully it doesn't, but if it does, then hydration will be something that I pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And think about with children too, you know, kids and, and, you know, we're especially like, I I just think about Texas and these kids that are going out there and playing football in this heat Mm -hmm. and, you know, and think about how much we could really help stave off injury in many ways, not just TBIs, but even I really believe like, you know, torn ligaments and tendons and those kind of things start with hydration, always start with hydration. (laughs) I was just going to ask what your number one tip towards the end of every podcast. I always say like one, what is one action item that our listeners can do right now? But I think I know yours, but if you you could tell me anyway. Uh, Well, I I gave you a bunch earlier. Um, I think the one tip, all I have to say is I feel like so many of us are cut off from our bodies. Um, we're not living in our bodies. We we learn to ignore our thirst because we want to work harder. You know, we want to stay in the car longer. We don't want to have to interrupt our day to go pee. Um, so I think, I think the biggest thing is listen to our bodies because our bodies are incredibly, incredibly smart machines and they tell you what they need. I, we didn't mention thirst, but I just do want to talk about thirst. And, you know, all these years that I've been talking about this, I never said it so clearly as to only recently, because I'm writing a new book and, and I finally was like, oh my God, you know, I, I used to always say, if you're thirsty, you're too far gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So people always say, you know, thirst is is a sign. But the simple thing is that thirst, it's a sign of dehydration, right? That's why you're thirsty. It's a sign of dehydration. So if you're thirsty, you you know, you're already dehydrated, it is one of the signs. So, so we want to stave off that thirst. We want to never have to be thirsty. And, you know, you could look at that. Do you get thirsty a lot? Um, not good. 
I think you're right. I think we are very good at overpowering our own basic instincts. And I found this too. I was talking to someone about this. Uh, I wear an Apple watch and I've worn aura rings and that kind of thing. And the metrics that they give me about my health are impressive. Sleep in particular, I do like learning about those kinds of things. But for a while there, because I've been wearing a wearable, I think for over four years, I wasn't listening to my own body cues. I was listening to the sleep quality that my aura ring told me I was getting, as opposed to waking up being like, how do I feel today? And then looking at the data, I would like roll over in bed, which is such a bad habit, look at my phone, be like, oh, my resting heart rate was like 45 beats a minute or something. And, and so I've been relying on something that is external to tell me about myself. And I'm trying to get away from that now. So I completely appreciate. Um, I love that. I love that. I, I, nobody's, I, I, I hadn't even thought of that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you're, you're so right though. We look at those things and don't even take into account what, what our bodies are telling us. I think there's a place for them, but maybe not. Uh, I think the same could be true for water. You know what I mean? Like we're getting smarter about drinking water, but are people getting smarter about drinking a certain amount of water because their, you know, smart glass said that they should, or are people actually listening to what their bodies are saying, like you're suggesting and not counting the water they're drinking, but listening to how their body feels. And I think that as we go down further into the future with technology, we are going to be getting a little bit further away all the time about listening to ourselves. So I hope that other people that are listening to this really think about their body cues as opposed to the number on their their smart glass or or anything. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. I loved your book. What are <laughs> you writing about now? Exactly what we talked about earlier, how to get more foods as mother nature intended into your body. Um, so it's just, it's just the next step, you know, how to get rid of ultra processed foods, the basically no diet diet and sort of the healthiest way to do that. And, you know, it's a, a glorified smoothie book, <laughs> uh, but so much more than that. So much more than that. Um, as this was a glorified, also glorified smoothie book, kind of, you know, the, this book, the quench book, um, but this is this goes the next step and really looks at the science about eating more whole foods. I don't say this very often because I really want to stand behind what I'm telling people, but everyone should honestly read Quench because I think that it was just it was life-changing. There's I think it was the best book I have read so far in 2023 that made the biggest impact on my health. So I don't say that lightly at all. (laughs) Thank you. I have chills. You so made my day. And I have to tell you, there's nothing, you know, I I say it all the time and it just, you just, you know, you're already a healthy person. You're somebody who does this, you know, you've got this. And then, you know, for me to be like worried about who I'm telling this to, like, oh God, they're going to roll their eyes at me. I'm telling them to drink a green smoothie a day. You know, you just made my case. Like everybody can benefit from this. And um, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, the healthiest person to the most unhealthy person that it's important for for all of us so so thank you yeah you're you're so welcome it just put 
a magnifying glass on something that is not thought about enough from like a physiological standpoint. People are like, yeah, I should drink water, but, but why? And I think that's what I needed. I think that I needed someone to tell me in book form, this is what is going to happen when you don't drink enough water. Like I was, so I was listening to the chapter on like being chronically dehydrated and I'm literally at that time hiking in the desert I don't have water I have I have water on me for my dog because I'm caring more about my dog's health and her ability to to climb in the desert than my own and I literally stopped and I'm like Elisa what are you doing (laughs) like like you need to actually put this into practice or these long-term health effects that you're trying to mitigate through eating well getting enough sleep getting a ton of exercise for what you know what I mean so yeah yeah anyway, it was so good yeah. where can people find you everyone right now should go to the nearest bookstore and buy quench or download quench but where can people find you specifically Dr. Cohen so my website is uh dr dana cohen d-a-n-a-c-o-h-e-n.com so dr dana cohen.com and then do you have social channels that you update regularly Instagram. Um, I think it's Dr. Dana Cohen also. It is. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. All of them are Dr. Dana Cohen at Dr. Dana Cohen. So Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't do TikTok yet and I got off Twitter. So, so Instagram is the one I really pay the most attention to. I have some fun things on there too. And so. we'll link all of that, the website and uh, where to find you on socials in the show notes as well for anyone listening. Dr. Cohen, this has been so amazing. I hope that when you write your next book that we can have you on again and talk about that because I'm just so in awe of your work. And thank you, obviously, as well to Gina Bria because I know that uh, she's your co-author and did a ton of amazing research as well. So you guys have changed my life. I'm hoping that you're going to change the lives of millions of people as well. Thank you so much. You so made my day. Thank you. Have a great day. What a great episode of the podcast. I hope that you've learned tools that you can implement that will increase your hydration and get you feeling better than ever. If you like this episode of the podcast, please check out other ones and don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.